south of the Mason-Dixon. This is the Week in Review at the Abbeville Institute. Here is your host, Brian McClanahan. Welcome back to the Week in Review at the Abbeville Institute. This is your host, Brian McClanahan, and this is episode 350, covering the week of March 27th through April 7th, so two weeks, 2023. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook and Gab pages, and subscribe to our YouTube page. Again, the YouTube page is invaluable. There's all kinds of great stuff on the YouTube page. So please subscribe to our social media accounts and share our material around on social media. When you get our articles, when you do those kind of things, and you get this podcast, whatever it is, let people know you like it by sharing around on social media. That's how we grow the audience organically. Of course, you can go to our webpage, abbevilleinstitute.org, A-B-B-E-V-I-L-L-E, institute.org. Give us an email address. We'll give you a free ebook exploring the Southern tradition. Again, a gift free of charge to you just for giving us that email address. And don't unsubscribe. You will get some emails from us. You'll get them probably once a day during the week. But I'm going to talk about that today. So there's going to be some things on the horizon for the Institute that are going to change a little bit, including this podcast. But I'll get to that in a minute. You can also go to abbevilleacademy.org. If you haven't gone there, abbevilleacademy.org. We've got all of our old Zoom webinars available for purchase there. They're cheap. They're 15 bucks. You get the Zoom webinar. Uh, last year and a little bit before that, we charged for our Zoom webinars. So we're recouping the cost for what we had to do with that webinar by selling those at Abbeville Academy. But our Zoom webinars are now free of charge. So we have not done one in a few weeks. We will do one this month of April at some point. Probably, I mean, definitely after our 20th anniversary conference, which is next week. So it'll be at the end of the month that we pick up another Zoom webinar. You're going to want to get on, on board with those. You find out about that through the email. So again, do not unsubscribe from the email. You get information like our upcoming Zoom webinar uh, dates and times. So make sure you stay on the lookout for that. Uh, you can also support the Institute of course, financially, we do exist on your generous contributions alone. So if you like the Institute, you like the podcast, you like the website, all the things we do, please consider a tax-deductible donation to the Abbeville Institute. It is the only way we survive. So make that donation online. You can send a check. Just click on that Donate tab at abbevilleinstitute.org, and you can throw a few pennies our way if you would like. That's uh, We appreciate every dollar you send to us monthly, annually, one-time gift, whatever it is. So we do appreciate all of that. All right, well, let's talk about some changes coming to the Institute, at least this podcast first and foremost. So just to give you a little backstory about the Institute and my involvement in it in this time frame. Um, in February of 2014, I met with Don Livingston, and we had a discussion about the Institute, and uh, we decided to make some changes to the Institute. Number one, we were going to change the website. We were going to make it a virtual Southern library, and I think we've done a pretty good job of that. There are things we would like to improve. There are some projects we're thinking about doing, but for the last nine years, because we relaunched the website in April of 2014, for the last nine years, the Abbeville Institute has become a virtual library of the Southern tradition. We've got articles on politics and philosophy and history and art and music and literature, we have a tremendous amount of material, humor, film, on that website. And I'm very proud of what we've been able to do with that. Can we make some adjustments? And we will make some adjustments, yes. And there are some things coming probably this year, maybe the middle of the year, about that. But we have this wonderful website. And then a couple of years later, 
we launched this podcast. It was 2016, and this is the 350th episode, which means we've done this for about seven years. We do about 50 episodes a year. So for the last seven years, you've had this week in review in your podcast list. Hopefully, if you're new to the show, well, then you've got 349 more episodes to catch up on. In fact, the other day I was looking uh, on our YouTube channel. Of course, we have all of these podcasts on the YouTube channel. And somebody pointed out a podcast that I had done way back. I mean, we're talking about uh, nearly 300 episodes ago where I talked about the Arlington uh, Confederate Memorial, the Ezekiel Moses New South Memorial, and uh, the things that I said about it about this, I think this was about seven years ago, and uh, that they were, I mean, they were saddened that the things that I said at that time, six, seven years ago, have come to pass. I think we've been pretty uh, spot on in our predictions about what was going to happen in America over the last half decade or so. And so this podcast, if you go back and catch the old episodes, is, is an invaluable contribution to a conversation about what the Southern tradition means in America today and the Southern tradition moving forward. In fact, our conference next week, our 20th anniversary conference, covers the topic of the Southern tradition in the 21st century. What does the Southern tradition mean for the 21st century? And that's the direction the Institute is going to go moving forward for the foreseeable future. We want the Institute to be a positive affirmation of what the Southern tradition is. And when I say that, what I mean by this, and this is kind of foreshadowing some of the things I'm going to talk about at the conference, but if you talk to uh, people on the left or many Northerners or just Americans in general, the general perception of the Southern tradition now is essentially that we have a tradition that's based on race and slavery, and that's it. I mean, that's what, that's what made the South. In fact, if you look at Drew Gilpin Faust in her book, Confederate Nationalism, she opines that that's the only thing that held the South together, this firm belief in a labor system, in a social labor system in the South. But if you read David Hackett Fisher, you get an entirely different view. You get a view of the South as culturally significant and independent from the rest of the British North American colonies. And there was a cultural dynamic to the South that made it different from New England. Because if you say the only thing that made the South different was a labor, social labor system, that means in the 17th century, when you had the establishment of the Southern colonies and the New England colonies and the Mid-Atlantic colonies, they all would have been the same. They all would have had the same culture and the same belief systems, if not for the institution of slavery. Now, we know that every colony, in fact, Puritan Massachusetts had slavery as well. Every colony had it. And so that would imply that the Puritans were just like the Southern Cavaliers. And we know all of that is untrue. All of it. We know that there were dis cultural distinct culturally distinct regions in North America in the 17th and 18th centuries. And Americans talked a lot about it. And it wasn't just about a free labor versus slave labor uh, dichotomy. There, was, there were other things going on there. So the South developed culturally over all these years into, be, into being a distinct region. And there are so many things that come out of that that we now think of American. In fact, Thomas Jefferson might have been a radical in Virginia, and we've talked about Jefferson a lot on this show. He might have been a radical in Virginia. He was to the left of many people in his own state. But Jefferson was consciously a Southerner, and he said as much throughout his life in various letters. He knew what he was, and this is 
going back to Mel Bradford's position, remembering who we are. Uh, he knew who he was. He remembered who he was. He remembered the, the community that he grew up in. Now, he admired some things about New England. In fact, all of his ruminations about ward republics uh, was uh, based on his understanding of how local government worked in New England, and he liked it. He thought there should be a massive decentralization, not only from the center in America, but also even at the state level. And we know that there were various ways that the states and the counties within the states could even uh, thwart the center. And even in Virginia, there were ways that you could uh, restrict what the government in Richmond could do. And in, say, Massachusetts, there were restrictions on what the general court could do uh, because of the response of local communities. This is something that happened a lot. And so Jefferson was always interested in this. In fact, what we've really said at the Institute over the last you know, decade, what we've been pushing, in fact, since for 20 years, what we've been talking about, but really since we relaunched the website and the podcast and trying to get more multimedia and things going for the Institute, not just our conferences and lectures, which we do, we've done well for 20 years. And all of that stuff, by the way, is available that we have recorded on our website and also on our YouTube channel as well. Many, many of the lectures that are in video format are on the YouTube channel. The audio for files are on the website and on our app too. By the way, download our mobile app free of charge to you. Just go to your app store. It is available on every device now, whether it's Apple or a Google device, Google Play device. Get the Abbeville Institute app. You get the podcast on the go. You get the art. You get the the uh, lectures. You get whatever we do at the website. There's a link to that through the app too. So get that mobile app free of charge. Just download it, and you got it. So we've done all of that, and we basically base the Southern tradition or root it in Jeffersonianism, right? If you want to call it an ism, but it's this Republican view, the spirit of 76, the spirit of 98, and then a cultural and political distinctiveness in America. And people recognized that for a long time. They understood what the South was. Of course, all the United States was an agricultural region, but um, one of the things that made the South unique, at least in the way people thought about it, was um, this idea of leisure. And there was always this perception of leisure in the South uh, that is fascinating. In fact, I go there was a there was a 1970s band, Seals and Crofts, and they came out with an album. And I, uh, the album itself is to me is not very good, but. The title of the album was Taking It Easy, and the imagery on the album is a plantation. They're both sitting on a plantation. They're enjoying being on the, enjoying that plantation lifestyle. Taking it easy, right? This idea of leisure. Uh, when you go back and read some of the earliest documents that came out of Jamestown, a workday was four hours. <laughs> four hours. That was so. The idea of leisure very much comes out of the South. Massachusetts, they didn't believe in leisure as much. It was work, 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 right? We have to work, we work, we work, we work. And in the South, there was much more leisure. So people called it lazy. But when you live in the climate that the South has, high humidity, high heat, uh, and I mean, there's a cultural dynamic to this as well that uh, it's very hard to work like people do in New England. You're not, you have to be moving in New England all the time because it's cold. It's not cold in the South in most places. It is in some places, but not all places. So there's a different dynamic, cultural dynamic to the South. And so all that's to say with this podcast, we've done this podcast now for 
uh, seven years, about seven years. And we've always taken a look at the articles that we've published that week. The podcast first started, it was an hour long. We trimmed it down to about 30 minutes. And we've highlighted various things on the website that week. Some things that we thought were important that you should know about the articles that we featured that week. And we've been running five articles a week since 2014. So nearly a decade, we've been doing five articles a week at the website. The podcast has mirrored that. We've done it once a week for, again, about seven years. That's going to change a little bit. This is the last episode under this title, The Week in Review at the Abbeville Institute. And what we're going to do from this point forward, we're going to rebrand the podcast. It will come out perhaps once a week, maybe once every two weeks. We haven't necessarily decided yet. But one of the things we'd like to focus on at the Institute moving forward is the essential things about the Southern tradition. Several years ago, we had a young man email us and say, you know, I'm a young person. Uh, All of my friends, I've lived in the South my whole life. All of my friends hate the South. They're all from the South, but they hate the South because they've been told for their entire life to hate the South. They've been told for their entire life the South is nothing good. There's nothing good about it. All these people in the South, all these Confederate people, of course, that's the South to a lot of people, just four years. All these Confederate people are bad. All these Southerners were bad. The founding fathers that owned slaves were bad. Whatever it was, they've been told their entire life. The Southern tradition is the antithesis of what it means to be an American. And so they've never really been exposed to anything else. We're told if you admire anything about the South, well, then you're a bad word. Uh, You're a lost causer, whatever it is. And if you go on social media and you say anything positive about the South, well, then you're called a fascist, a white supremacist, a, a, a racist, a lost causer, whatever it is. These are the things that you're called if you simply utter a kind word about, say, Robert E. Lee or Jefferson Davis or George Washington or Thomas Jefferson. Now, it's not so bad there, uh, but you do have people that will do it. And the only thing that these other people will do is produce memes, you know, grotesque things. And, of course, the language and other things they use is just appalling. And they'll drag you into it. Trust me, they'll drag you into it. They'll get you involved in these petty squabbles that amount to nothing. So the, the point was, well, what can I read? What can I do? What can I, what can I look at? What can I find? What's out there to give me some ammunition to be proud of who I am, to remember who I am, to remember the people that I come from? And so we've thought a lot about that. And uh, even though we have you know, thousands of articles on the website, we could point to this, this, and this. There isn't just one spot that you could go to on the website that would say, these are the essential things that you need to read to understand who you are. And the same thing with this podcast. We've got 350 episodes now, and we've talked about a lot of stuff on this podcast, a lot of different things. But I think the one thing we've missed throughout all these years, seven years now, is that essential Southern thing. And there are other podcasts that do Southern things. They do music, they do cooking, they do, uh, they do politics, they do culture, they do these things. In fact, the University of South Carolina has one. And oftentimes they do book reviews and other things. They're academic. And so we are also an academic institution. But a lot of people don't know where to turn when it comes to, say, a a speech or a document or a book that would define being Southern in a positive way 
that would allow them to not only uh, feel good about themselves, and I think that's important in your life. You're told over and over again you're bad. Your, your self-esteem and what you are is going to go downhill. But also to have the ammunition you need to push back against some of these things at times. To say, no, wait a second here. These, this is what I believe. And there's, a, there's an individual that follows us, and I'm not going to name him. He's not an academic historian. He doesn't have any training in history. Um, in fact, he never really was interested in history at all until he got a little older. And he does this on a regular basis. He posts on social media quotes from people like Donald Davidson and uh, the Fugitive Agrarians. And he reads material from these people. He digests it and he talks about it. it, it he, he's taken it up to try to recite poetry and do things of that nature. So literature, of course, is a key to all of this, to understanding Southern culture and, and the Southern tradition. There's a lot of great Southern literature out there, and, and we are going to talk more about that on this podcast moving forward with a rebrand. We're not going to start a whole new podcast. We've got to subscribe to something else. We're just rebranding the podcast moving forward from this point. But that's why we want to do this Essential Southern. So we're probably going to call the podcast Essentially Southern and what it means to have an essential view or the essential documents that will give you the Southern tradition boiled down to a few things. And this is going to be highlighted on our website. It's also going to become, you know, we're going to rebrand the podcast. You'll have this once a week, once every couple of weeks, whatever it is. Once every three weeks. We haven't decided yet how we're going to do it. But you are going to get these essential documents, these essential things that you need to know to really understand the Southern tradition and its importance in the 21st century and its importance in modern American society, because that is why we do what we do. And I think we miss that oftentimes. We're not a Confederate heritage organization. We talk about the Confederacy. Uh, I think that uh, Confederate veterans should be respected and admired. They were heroic people doing what they thought was right at the time in which they lived. They took a stand that resulted in the death of hundreds of thousands of Southerners. Uh, of course, um, you look at the, the position of political decentralization and what that means. Southerners, not just Southerners, but Americans throughout American history. And this is why I used to say on this podcast quite a bit, the South is America, because the South was simply just holding on to these old American traditions in that way longer than anyone else. The spirit of 76, the spirit of 98, Jeffersonianism. That's what that was. And they held on to it longer than anyone else. New England eventually abandoned it. They started supporting that. 1794, 1800, 1801, 1804, 1805. 1815, even the abolitionists in the 1840s hung on to this very Jeffersonian view of America as a federal republic, a decentralized federal republic, but they abandoned that in favor of Lincolnian nationalism and what that meant, which was New England dominance of the United States, the rest of it be damned, right? I mean, they didn't really care about it. And so we had this New England view of America now foisted on the rest of the United States. And that's what we live in today. We live in a New England-dominated America on both the left and the right. And the Southern tradition offers a counterweight to that. It's something different. Now, there's a lot of similarities, and we'll talk about, uh, there are some things you know, that they, New England did and the South did. It's not to say these things are necessarily unique to the South at all times. 
But that tradition is very much there, and it's recognizable and it's tangible. And I think that's the thing that we are going to focus on more exclusively throughout this podcast. It's essentially Southern Podcast moving forward after the Week in Review today, episode 350. This is kind of a pre, pre uh, preview, a precursor to what we're going to do uh, moving forward at the podcast. Now, we had a lot of great material the last couple of weeks, and I said we're going to review that very briefly. And I am going to review that very, very briefly for this last Week in Review podcast. But I wanted to let you know what we were doing, how we're moving forward. And the website might undergo some changes too and try to focus on more of these articles and documents that you need to know to be in line with this Southern tradition and what that means. Because uh, you are facing, and I've said it before, Mount Everest in flip-flops and shorts. And it's very hard to climb in in flip-flops and shorts. But we're going to try to give you some tools to do it. Maybe some better mountain climbing gear, some better gear overall. We're going to give you some of that through this particular podcast. And I think that's the thing that we can do more than anything else is arm you with the knowledge necessary to be uh, aware of what the Southern tradition is. And you're going to be called all kinds of names. Like if you go anywhere and you say any of these things, you're going to get called all kinds of nasty things. And just remember that these people are... Uh, they're brain damaged, right? I mean, I really think so. Uh, they're unhinged. Uh, they are people that um, have no respect, really have no culture. They are simply a byproduct of what they've heard through their entire life through the modern education system, and particularly from the left in the modern education system. And it's been disastrous. Now, the week. We had some really cool stuff in the last couple of weeks, I have to say. We had a really great piece from Brandon Meeks, and this goes back to speaking about that literature. Brandon Meeks is funny. He is a theologian. Uh, he has a PhD in theology, and uh, but he writes some really funny stories, and he says all of these stories are true. Now, I don't know. He says they're true, and I want to believe they're true, because if they are true, they're amazing. And this particular story, Pleasant Acres, is a funny story. And he does this quite well, but um, he talks about uh, a funeral, right? He was going to a funeral, and he was asked to give the eulogy, and he ends up in the wrong place. And you just have to read it because it's really, really funny. But that shows you what the tradition offers, right? Southerners pioneered comedy. We forget this. But Southerners really did pioneer American comedy. The first... Uh, real American comedy duo uh, in the modern age was Laurel and Hardy, of course, one of those individuals being Southern. And then in the 1930s, you had Will Rogers, who was certainly Southern, and his critique of the Republican Party and Republicans and politics in general are so good, right? If you really want to have fun, read some Will Rogers quotes from the 1930s. He had the most popular radio program in America, before he tragically died in a plane crash. Also, people like Irvin S. Cobb, who was the highest paid newspaper uh, newspaper columnist in the United States at one point, came out of the South, wrote some really interesting stories, um, literature again, but also some funny stuff. I mean, Cobb was a, was a funny individual. Now, of course, when you bring up these kind of people, well, they were racist. I mean, look, uh, if, we're gonna, if we're going to say that then we have to eliminate 
wide swaths of American history because of the racial views that people had at different times in America. And I think that is, of course, the agenda of the left. They want to have American history start in about 1977 or something like that. Maybe 1981. I don't even know. Maybe uh, maybe after that, right? 77, you know, Jimmy Carter, maybe. But then you get Ronald Reagan. They would have a critique of that. And then, of course, but they want to have Southern American history, I should say, start really in the late 20th century when uh, they've achieved all their uh, political goals. But we know they're not ever happy with that because we're still ongoing with this. So I don't know when they'd want to start American history, but they certainly would want to eliminate a lot of these people. Even if they were had a substantial impact, even a, in, in many ways a positive impact on how we think about uh, you know, American literature or uh, American comedy or even American film. Someone like D.W. Griffith, who uh, was a pioneer in the film industry. There wouldn't be a film industry without D.W. Griffith, but yet because of some of the films he produced, or at least one in particular, he is now blacklisted, essentially, even though he also did a film on Abraham Lincoln, which was very pro-Lincoln. I mean, it's he, he is a complex person, but because of one film, well, we can't talk about D.W. Griffith anymore, who was from Georgia. So we have comedy as part of the Southern tradition, and Brandon Meeks is so good at that. We also have literature, and that is the piece by Travis Holt, Return to Red Rock. Uh, Travis Holt does a great job in... in telling stories as well, and tying these stories and these places and people into something. And that is, you know, tradition there and how that works with Travis Holt. We always like publishing his material, and he does just really a nice job with these family stories from Arkansas. Uh, and there are distinct regions. There's, you know, for a long time, there was Southwestern humor in, in America. There was Southwestern literature, and that would be, you know, places like Mississippi and Western Tennessee and Arkansas. And then there was the literature coming out of Virginia and the Carolinas, that was a little different, and Georgia. So we've had, uh, well, Georgia at one time was Southwestern humor as well because that was the frontier. But we've had all of these really interesting people in this very diverse, I mean, the South really is a diverse place. Lots of different peoples coming into it and different kinds of culture and history. We've had a lot of that. And so that's something that we try to do. And, and anytime you get to read a Travis Holt piece, and this piece, Return to Red Rock, it's well worth your time to do it uh, because he has a nice view of continuity between generations. And that's something else their tradition offers, is continuity. A lot of these people that criticize the South and the Southern tradition really have no culture and no tradition whatsoever. They are unanchored and unmoored. They don't really understand where they come from except for platitudes and slogans and chants and ideology. They don't really have a culture or a tradition. And that is certainly, uh, I mean, just embarrassing for them. They're, they're just big children cosplaying, thinking that, and LARPing, thinking that they are doing something uh, that is productive when in reality all they're doing is exposing their stupidity. But um, we have uh, this very beautiful tradition in the South that has continuity. It's, a, it's, it's attaching generations. And it's, it's not exclusive to the South, by the way. I mean, there are people all over the United States that do this. But Southerners, this is Faulkner saying, you know, the past isn't even the past, right? Southerners live in the past. Not, not they, they don't try to um, uh, pretend like they're still living in the 1860s. But they live in the past because they live with previous generations. They understand that continuity between these previous generations and how important they are 
for modern society. That becomes a tradition. And when you lose that, when you lose that anchor, when you lose those fences, as Chesterton called them, G.K. Chesterton, those fences that you put up, when you do that, uh, you lose something of yourself. And so anytime you got Travis Holt or Brandon Meeks, I would highly recommend you get those uh, those articles and read them. Uh, we also had a really great piece from Chase Steely, The Tower on the Tiger, and it was a visit that he had with Jim Kibler. And Jim Kibler has been a supporter of the Institute and uh, a, a member of the Institute since it was founded in 2002. And he is one of the leading minds on Southern literature in America today. Uh, he, he has a plantation in South Carolina that he uh, fixed up and there's a picture of it on the website and, of course, in the article itself. Now, Jim's getting older. He taught at University of Virginia for years, taught Southern literature there. And he fixed up this old plantation, wrote a book about it entitled Our Father's Fields. And we're actually publishing a book on uh, Faulkner that Kibler wrote. That should be out very soon. I, I don't know where we stand with it. But we also have his Classical Origins of Southern Literature, which is a book that he produced for the Institute uh, as well. And, of course... Uh, Kibler has been a vital contributor to our cause over the last 20 years. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to make our 20th anniversary conference. We invited him, but he isn't, uh, he isn't a spring chicken anymore, so uh, he said he, he just can't make the trip uh, from South Carolina to Georgia. But uh, he uh, is just a wonderful resource for this tradition. And not only is his plantation a house, it's a working plantation still, not the way you would think with cash crops and that kind of thing, but he does plant uh, heirloom vegetables and heirloom fruits and he, it's an arboretum he has all kinds of beautiful plants on his plantation it's a symbol in many ways of what the south is and this natural south the uh, the the flora of the south and uh, that's an important part of it right this respect for the environment conservation in its truest sense is something that the South represents. And again, I'm going to touch on these themes when I'm uh, at uh, Callaway Gardens next week. But real conservation is something that the Southern tradition is known for uh, in a way that, um, you know, maybe, and look, there aren't, it's not to say there aren't Northerners who believe in this stuff, because there are, but real conservation and conserving the natural world for the beauty in and of itself as part of a divine creation not as an ideology for environmentalism and worshiping Mother Earth, but as a divine creation and the beauty of all of that. There is a particular beauty to the Southern tradition that is something to celebrate. So that's a wonderful piece. And if you get a chance, go out and read that. It's, a, it's a, just a travel log in many ways. But Chase uh, Steely does a great job in telling the story. And again, that's something that we want to try to do more of and get you interested in telling these stories. And then, of course, you have a couple of pieces on Thomas Jefferson by uh, Mark Andrew Holacek, which are really interesting, um, when, particularly when you look at the way historians use the word racism. And there's a piece that corresponds with that by Rado Barr, uh, Spin and Suppression, on James McPherson. This is the left's go-to game now. Well, they're going to use the term the pejorative racist or something else to try to denigrate a position they don't like. And there is, there's no intellectual discussion there anymore. It's, it's, it's designed to stop the conversation because nobody wants to be called bad words. And so when you do that, you shut it down. Well, these people are this, and so we can't pay attention to them. There's, 
all kinds of examples on that on social media. You, if you repost an Abbeville Institute article, well, people do, oh, the Abbeville Institute, they see there's no conversation. It's just laughing because they think that there's nothing valuable that we say about anything because, well, they are pro-Southern, so they don't have anything valuable to say. I will tell you, and I'm not just saying this because I wrote it, but my piece on Lee versus the Twitter historians is uh, one of the best things we've ever written for those who want to use all these things against Lee. And I took down every single one of them in a pretty short piece. So if you just go out and look at that, Robert E. Lee versus Twitter historians, and it was published a long time ago, six years ago, and now so much has changed in those six years. But it is, uh, it's, I mean, six years ago, people were still publishing stupid things on Twitter, and uh, I took those things down. And we still, you still get the same regurgitated arguments all the time on social media. So get that article, and when you publish it, you know, post it on your, on your uh, Twitter feed or Facebook, wherever it is, you're going to have people who laugh at it because it's coming from the Institute, but don't actually engage it because if they did, they wouldn't be able to do it. Seriously, they, they, you can't really engage it um, because their arguments are all shredded. So these are the kind of things we've done over the years. And I think Holacek does a very good job of that with Jefferson, too. And so also, uh, Rado Bard does an excellent job with McPherson. He also had an article by Judah P. Benj- or on Judah P. Benjamin on the website as well, which, by the way, we've got uh, something interesting coming up at the 20th anniversary event about that, too. So lots of great stuff over the last couple of weeks. And I would say lots of great stuff at the website over the last uh, seven years. 350 episodes in the books. We are going to be changing the nature and perhaps even the frequency of the podcast moving forward. We're still going to have it, but it's just going to be a little different from this point forward. So thank you for being on board with us for 350 of these Week in Review episodes. We've appreciated every single one of you who has done it. Every single one of you has supported the podcast. Continue to support the podcast. It's just going to have a different name and a little different format continue and share it around on social media do those things continue to support that also continue to support the institute our articles all that stuff is still going to be there nothing is really nothing's going away we're just rebranding some things and doing some things a little differently moving forward all right until next time and the next phase of the podcast good day (laughs) 